Hello everyone, Rob Guest from Football.London here and welcome to episode 5 of Gold and Guest Talk Tottenham. There's plenty to discuss today following the closure of the summer transfer window. It's quite a busy day at Spurs really, with Emerson Royale joining from Barcelona, Serge Aurier leaving the club after a mutual termination of his contract and Cameron Carterbick is heading out on a season-long loan deal to Celtic. As always, I'm joined by my fellow Tottenham correspondent, Alice the Gold. Ali, how are you after a bit of a late night and a busy deadline day? I'm absolutely knackered, mate, but we got there. <laughs> we got to the end of the transfer window. Carl, if you think about what this summer has brought us, you know, the manager stuff, and that was before we even got into the transfer stuff, and we've kind of ended up with a Tottenham squad that actually, I know there's, we're going to talk about it, and there's still much more that I feel could have been done, and I'm sure you do as well, but it's actually a very different Tottenham squad to the one we were reporting on last season. It really is. Um, and that's great for us as reporters because, let's be honest, we were writing about the same players making the same mistakes and things like that. So that's cool. But yeah, as a deadline day, I have no idea in the world how it would be Cameron Carter-Vickers that would end up keeping me up late with the most back-and-forth, strange transfer saga, which for most people probably didn't even care about. But for me, I just was trying to get to the bottom of it because it made no sense whatsoever. But we got there and we shall talk about Cameron a bit and everything that happened on deadline day and beyond. Right. Before we get started, must say apologies in advance if you hear a couple of different pronunciations of the word <laughs> Fabio Paratici. Ali's discovered this week how to pronounce his name. So if we do call him Paratiki or something else, it is literally just a force of habit. Because I know some people will be a bit of a stickler for the pronunciation of the correct names, but we'll, we'll get there eventually at some point, I believe. Well, to be fair, I was probably told the right pronunciation loads of times, but just kept <laughs> blindly going on saying the wrong thing. Um, and I'm sure we'll say it the way we say it, and people will still say it's wrong. But uh, part of the fun of you and I trying to pronounce uh, names from other countries. Yes, definitely. Anyway, uh, let's get down to business and we'll have a look back at uh, Tottenham's deadline day. As I mentioned earlier, Sergio Aurier departed rather late on before the 11pm deadline. There was a mutual termination of his contract after he failed to get a move elsewhere. Emerson Royale joined from Barcelona in a deal worth 30 million euros from Barcelona. That is a five-year deal up until 2026. Cameron Carter-Vickers has joined Celtic on a season-long loan deal. Then youngster Janiel Bennett headed out on loan to Crew on a loan deal. So, Ali, do you want to just give us your thoughts, first of all, on what was quite a, a busy day? Yeah, it was a funny one. I'd, I'd probably say most Spurs fans would go me about deadline day because for them they were probably you know expecting a last gasp kind of move for Adama Traore or a playmaker or a striker and none of that happened so I'd say for the bulk of Spurs fans they were probably a little bit underwhelmed but actually in itself especially throughout the final hours it was quite it was quite frantic and I think that was quite frantic at Tottenham as well um and while it might not be the biggest stuff to Tottenham fans who, you know, and understandably are purely looking at their starting eleven, it was very much still part of this shaping the squad under Nuno because what people have got to understand, he's a very, a very much like Poch in that he, he prefers a tight-knit small squad, really. And so to get the likes of Aurier out the door and not have him being, well, I mean, let's, let's start with Serge Aurier. To be honest... Everything that I was hearing, there was this kind of growing frustration over the weeks with Serge Aurier and his representatives that they felt, people within the club felt that there was something that, you know, Aurier, Aurier and his representatives were very confident that he was not going to be a Tottenham player at the end of this window. And people within the club were a bit like, well, we haven't heard anything. It's like, what do you know kind of thing? And then as it went on, each day went on, it was like, no, no, there really is no one coming in for him. And it makes you wonder, I'm definitely not saying that this is the case, but it does make you wonder whether this was a potential backup plan all along. Was it, whatever happens, if we don't get a move, we'll sort out, we'll just mutually you know, decide the contract ends. Um, because, yeah, I mean, I wrote a piece on this yesterday for the website. It's been a, such a weird window for all of those players pretty much every single one that wanted to leave Tottenham 
never really got the move they were after. Every single one, even the ones who left, even Toby Adeverald. Toby Adeverald wanted to go back to Belgium or the Netherlands, ended up going to Qatar for a, let's be honest, a money move, and he's admitted it himself. Uh, Moussa Sissoko, that was a bit of a both. Spurs wanted to get rid of him, but he wanted to go anyway. Um, no one was interested until the final week when finally Watford came in. Uh, we know what happened with Kane. We know what happened with Ondembele. We're going to talk about him as well. Um, and I feel like there was someone else I'm completely forgetting about as well. Just, uh, But there were so many that just never got their move. And Aure now is in the same situation. Um, and yeah, and it was just a desperate day of, oh my goodness, are we going to be Tottenham fullback FC? You know, are we going to have a, a five-a-side team of right-backs with a goalkeeper in? Because it was ridiculous. And and I was told quite clearly that Spurs weren't going to pull the trigger on Emerson Royale coming until they had um, one of the right-backs out. And even they realised, it's just not going to happen. We're not going to get them out the door. Um, and so, obviously, they, they went back to this backup plan of, um, or whoever's backup plan it was, of just letting Serge go. And I don't know what your thoughts are, but what do you think about it? They signed him for, what, was about 23 million or so back four years ago? It was 2017, wasn't it? And now he's kind of gone out the door for what is essentially nothing. I'm sure Spurs will have... The deal won't be that he's just walked out with his entire season worth of wages. Otherwise, that's not a mutual agreement. Um, they, they will have saved a bit of money. But it's just so bizarre that it's been allowed to get to this point. Yeah, 100%. So I think earlier in the day, we were thinking, oh, there's going to be a, another Danny Rose situation on the hands yeah. where uh, obviously Aurier would be sitting out games, potentially not even registered for the Premier League and then even the Europa Conference League. I think it is a bit of a sad end to his time at Tottenham. I mean, he made it clear back in May that he had no intention of signing a new Tottenham contracts and he'd come yeah. to the end of the cycle. He wanted a, another move. I thought he'd get a move you know, within the first couple of months of the transfer window because I know some people perhaps don't rate him as a player, but he's an international footballer. He's played at Still PSG. He's played at Spurs. Yeah, he's a good age. He is yeah. a good player. He's certainly not as bad as some people make him out to be. And there was always talk of a return to PSG, a move to AC Milan, Real Madrid. So, yeah, it's definitely a, a bit of a sad end to his time at Spurs. Uh, I've got a bit of a soft spot. Serge, I think he's all right. I, I, I <laughs> think he's sit next to me and hear me moaning about his defending. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I was going to say. That's a good <laughs> thing for me, is now I'm not going to have him chewed off every game now because he's moved. So, yeah, I think he's a good player going forward. Obviously, he does have the odd brain freeze now and again at the back. And positioning positioning yeah. was always his main issue, I felt. Yeah, I mean, especially that Bayern Munich game in Champions League with 10 minutes to go when he just oh, decided to no play the number 10 role and Eric Lamella were telling him to get back to right back. But I think he is a good player. He can put in a good cross into the box. We've seen that before for Vertonghen's goal against Dortmund in the Champions League for Deli Alley's header at Newcastle on the opening day back in 2018. He'll, he'll get a good club, you'd, you'd hope. I think he still has a lot to offer. I think he will be a miss at Tottenham in terms of, you know, the changing room with it. Everyone does love him, though, don't they? Everyone yeah, gets he was a plays, plays Uno with him and all that. So I think, <laughs> it probably wasn't worth keeping on for his Uno skills. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's uh, sad to see him go. But, you know, it's the right time. It's the right time for him to go. It's part of the squad overhaul, what needed to happen. And yeah. I think Spurs have got a decent right back coming in in Emerson who can hopefully, you know, kick on and make a real big impact at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm going to be fair to Serge. I, I, he definitely improved. I think under yeah. Mourinho was probably his best period. I think he did really improve. And I think a lot of his defending improved as well. Um, so, I, I, you know, I certainly wrote many times that he, he was picking up his game. But ultimately, he just wanted to leave Tottenham. And it wasn't even this summer. It was previous summers as well. It might have, I think it may have even been three summers in a row he wanted to leave. Um, you know, I don't think people should ever forget how incredibly brave he was after his brother died. Um, I think that massively needs to be mentioned. You know, he, 
played for Tottenham um, in just it was either the next day or, or the day after. It was so close to what was the most horrific thing as well that happened. It was you know you know it was oh, just just horrific. I don't know how how he dealt with that. How his family dealt with that. And I think huge huge credit has to go to him for the the way he was in the aftermath. Of that it was incredible. Tottenham needed him. They had no other options, and he absolutely made himself there and available. So all the talk I can say about him wanting to leave and all that, that's not to doubt his commitment for Tottenham um, at all. On, on the pitch, he gave everything he could. I mean, he was a passionate guy. You know, you remember he, he walked he left the stadium at halftime, didn't he? It was a Liverpool match when he got subbed, yeah, you know. he was. That's, some people obviously will say that's not the greatest attitude-wise, but other people might say, well, that shows his passion, how much he wanted to play and how angry he was. There's different sides to it. I mean, I so this is an interesting one, you know. So he might leave this legacy. I saw who scored tweeted out that he was, um, <laughs> what was it? He'd he'd uh, had seven foul throws in his time at Tottenham, which was the most of any player during that pre- period in the Premier League. I think three of them came against Crystal Palace. I remember <laughs> asking Poch about it, um, but <laughs> he he was a joker. He was a funny guy. Some of the stuff he said in the past, I never really, uh, or certainly didn't agree with, and it never, it always never really sat right. Um, you know, some of the stuff that happened in his PSG days wasn't great. I did, however, get to see a different side of him when I, I think, I was trying to work it out. It was definitely his first interview he sat down he did in England. I'm wondering if it was the only one he actually ended up doing. You know, I had a good, probably more than a half an hour sit down with him. He was a very interesting guy, very intelligent. Um, had a lot of interesting views. I don't really felt he probably regretted some of the things he'd said and done in the past. I would say that was one thing I picked up. But actually, as a person, you could see, especially he'd become a father, he was very much a, a guy that was changing and maturing and stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll miss Serge from, from that respect. And I do think, like you say, that he was popular among the players. Um, although, interestingly, and, and uh, I'd say interestingly, you can't read too much in... But I still haven't seen. It may just be that they haven't done it all yet. But at the time of recording this, a lot of the players haven't said goodbye and stuff across social media, which I thought was just a bit strange for him because I thought, well, we know he's very much liked by a lot of the players, and it may be that they've just done it privately. So I'm not. I'm not that's not. I'm not saying that players, Spurs players, like you'll see these websites will now put Alistair Gold says Spurs players snub Serge Aurier. It's like that's not what I'm saying. Just like a surprise, they haven't done it yet. I'm sure it will come. Um, but yeah, so Serge goes. I don't really think financially it was the greatest thing for Tottenham. I don't think you know losing someone for nothing who will presumably now go on and get a, a very nice signing on bonus himself from whatever club that he joins. I think Serge will have done better out of this situation than Spurs have. But it's clearing the decks, isn't it? I don't want to use the word the word deadwood because fans use that, and I, and I think it's quite. A, disrespectful word i don't like it um but it's definitely clearing um clearing a lot of the players who didn't have a future i'd say at tottenham or didn't want a future he was made very it was made very clear to serge that if he wasn't going to drum up another club or find another club he wasn't going to be registered for the europa conference league he may have been registered in the premier league but he certainly would have been behind the other three right backs who all wanted to play for the club you know, it's, and that, that's you know, I've seen some people say, "Oh, that's terrible. He's been treated like Danny Rose." It's like, no, he wanted to leave. That was his sole intention this summer. And you can't then say to the other three right backs, "Oh, we're still going to play the other guy." You know, it's different to Harry Kane. People will say, "Oh, what's the, how? How's that any different?" Well, Harry Kane decided at a certain point, bang, that's it. It's not happening. I'm going to focus on Tottenham. I'm going to give everything I've got for Tottenham this season. That wasn't what had happened with Serge Aurier. Serge Aurier just wanted to leave Tottenham Hotspur. And he's in a very financially, his contract-wise, very different position. And he could have set it out like Danny Rose if he'd wanted to. Yeah, I think, like you said, like we both said, he's going to be missed. I must say, on the All or Nothing documentary, when you were doing kick-ups in the changing room, trying to get the ball in the bin (laughs) and then (laughs) hit the drink and it's filled all over Jose Mourinho's shoes, that was uh, a very funny moment. So, yeah, I think he's going to be a bit of a miss at Tottenham. But we'll move on from Serge and we'll look to the future, and that is Emerson Royale, the new man coming in from Barcelona. 
30 million euros, what equates to just over 25 million pounds, five-year contracts up until 2026. And I think he's someone who can certainly have an impact going forward up the pitch. They were signed in a joint deal with Barcelona and Real Betis back in 2019. He then spent uh, three seasons on loan at Betis, although at two full seasons, then one half season. And in 1920, it was three goals, six assists, and then last season, two goals and four assists. So in June, he made he finally made the move to Barcelona. He's played three games already this season, but he's already on the move. So what can we expect from Emerson then, Ali? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Just before I kind of go into that, I don't know if you... Did you see his Instagram message to Barcelona? Yeah. Uh, it was it, I thought it was really nice to be honest it was very much it was like this kind of long-winded thing of very much saying like I'd always dreamed of playing for Barcelona it was the club I always wanted to play for I literally said hello goodbye kind of I just I do and we, we knew that about him he really to be fair didn't want to give up on his dream move so quickly but just Barcelona is so stuffed financially they had no choice um so, yeah, I've seen some fans already say, oh, but he didn't even want to come to the club. It's like, well, it's like, you know, say one of these Spurs fans, you know, had finally got their move to Tottenham. They'd finally played for the club they loved. And Tottenham said, oh, mate, we're absolutely, the bank account's dry. We've got to get rid of you already. and We've had a really good bid. And it's like, oh, but I want to play for you. Well, you can't. Sorry, if you don't go, then you're not going to play. And it's kind of, I do feel from that respect, but to be fair, <laughs> he looks a very happy chap already. He clearly has got his head around it. I loved his little video, and I love the fact that what was the phrase he used in his thing on now Instagram? I think it was time time now, to be happy again, time to something be happy. like that. That was it. Time to be happy, and it was very much like okay, fair enough. He, he seems like a character. Um, what I would say, I've kind of heard mixed reports. I've heard some really good stuff about him. Heard some stuff that says he's very much a. Um, how do I put it? Very raw, an unpolished gem, as it were. Um, yeah, he... Some of the Spanish journalists I've heard, uh, I've, I've spoken to that cover him, um, have said, yeah, he's still got a lot of learning to do. I mean, he's only 22. You know, how many 22-year-old defenders are going to be the finished article? Probably none. Um, obviously, Tim Vickery, who, who covers Brit uh, British football, Brazilian football um, for various outlets... He, he said very much the same. It's like he probably hasn't pulled up trees yet in his career, but he's got the attributes to be something. Um, some people within Spurs have told me that physically, uh, with his strength and his uh, the physical attributes he'll bring, his fitness levels are going to be incredible. Um, they'd say that technique-wise, that's going to be something that he's still got to keep working on. Um and it's interesting because I saw Tim Vickery described him as an attacking right back. But then I've seen some people that uh, cover Spanish football say that for Real Betis, actually his defending was probably his stronger point. So I think very much for the likes of us and the Spurs fans, it's just going to be a wait and see. We're going to have to make our own judgments out, up on him. Um, I think uh, Paratici and uh, yeah, I got it. I got it right the first time. I probably won't have, but there you go. Uh, Paratici and Nuno, I'm told, both were quite keen to bring him in. Um, and I think that's really the key to this window. And we'll talk about that a bit more with other stuff. But I think the key is getting in who they wanted to get in. You know, there was a lot of talk, obviously, about Takahiro Tomiyasu. And you and I have spoken about him probably more than any other right back this summer. But at the end of the day, they chose um, Emerson Royale. That was who they wanted. Um, Clearly, a very different kind of right back, um, and that's clearly what they felt they needed. You know, towards the end of the window, I was told that there was just a feeling that with Jaffet coming into his own and really hitting new heights, Jaffet Tanganga, Tommy Asu maybe wasn't too much of a departure from Jaffet Tanganga, whereas um, Emerson is very, very different. You know, and, and with some question marks still remaining over Matt Doherty. You know, it's maybe just making sure you've got that more natural right back. Um, you just see what happens with Matt Doherty now and how much game time he's going to get. Um, someone made the point, which I don't know myself, but 
if you look at both sets of three left backs and three right backs, one of each of them can play on one side of a back three. So there was a suggestion that is maybe the logic now that Spurs eventually switched to back three because two of those fullbacks on either side can just sit naturally on the edge of that back three. Um, I don't know. Myself, I think they look pretty good with a 4-3-3. I'd really be loath to change it. Um, I'm not a massive fan of Spurs having a back three. I don't think it's really worked particularly well. Uh, Potch used it sometimes to a bit of success when Dyer was in the back three. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. But, yeah, Emerson, very much one to to wait and see what he brings. Um, Barcelona clearly thought enough of him to um, to uh, trigger that kind of... It was a weird one, wasn't it? It was like a joint financial agreement to bring him from Atletico Mineiro. Um, and uh, Betis had him for two and a half seasons, and Barcelona triggered their option. You know, you could maybe be cynical and say they only did that because they thought they might sell him. But certainly everything coming out of Barcelona seemed to be that they thought they were getting a player for the long term. That was publicly what they were saying. And now he's Tottenham. So we'll see what the, the new number 12, taking on Joe Hart's number of all people, to see what he does, and, and big Victor Wanyama. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him in action, especially looking at his stats, obviously. Someone pointed out to me on Twitter yesterday that his defensive numbers are really good, like yeah. similar to Kyle Walker's as well. So it's going to be and then really someone today did a comparison and sent to me, which showed that they were worse than Serge Aurier's. <laughs> you <All> can't... Right. <laughs> This is why I don't know. These comparisons against players who some may have faced more attacks, some may have faced less attacks. I'm always so wary of player comparisons. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in at Tottenham. But I think he's another one of these who will probably take a bit of time, as it does for most foreign players, you know, to get used to the pace and intensity of the Premier League. But I think he's certainly got the attributes to be uh, a big hit and obviously I don't think Fabio Paratici is going to bring a player into the club for the sake of it there's obviously a reason why he's brought him in and you know fingers crossed he'll hit the ground running it'll just be interesting now to see if he does start after the international break uh, against Crystal Palace but there's we reported yesterday he's due to arrive in London this week uh, he doesn't have to quarantine so you know we can get straight down to business with the players who are at Hotspur Way at present who aren't on international duty. So, yeah, let's see how he does. But I think, you know, could be a good piece of business, hopefully. Uh, shall we move on to Cameron Carter-Vickers now then? We and... can if you don't want to talk about Jelly. Oh, yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. Emerson Royale actually isn't his real name. Uh, Royale, was it his granddad or someone his gave uncle. him... The name his uncle gave him the name because something to do with royal jelly in Brazil. He he reminded him of a make of local kind of jello that they had out in uh, I think a Sao Paulo area back when he was a kid. I don't know why that means he was just a really fat kid. I don't know. I don't know why you would make the comparison with jelly, but uh, yeah, that is why he's called Emerson Royale. And as everyone keeps saying, it kind of makes you think of Royale from cheese, uh, Royale with cheese from Pulp Fiction. I have no idea what you're on about. Oh, I've no, that now, so. I should point out to anyone that will uh, listen to these podcasts over time, Robert Guest really doesn't watch enough movies. So many of the movie reference uh, references of movie geek like myself <laughs> are going to use over the coming months and years are going to fly right over his head. Yeah, I think on that IMDB top 100, I might have seen about 10, something like that. So. Right. No, I've, I've not. I've not seen that, and that uh, went straight over my head. What you were saying there, didn't understand it. So, whole fiction, whole fiction. Yeah, let's move on to uh, Cameron Carter Vickers. What I believe is is his uh, seventh floor move in five years. I think he's been at Ipswich, Sheffield United, Swansea, Stoke, Luton, Bournemouth, and now Celtic. So, I think everyone was expecting uh, Cameron to leave on a permanent deal this summer, but unfortunately, it's another loan deal. But I think because he signed a new one-year deal, what Tottenham triggered last year, I think that means they are triggering another option to extend his stay by another so year. Well, it's not, but it is for <laughs> us. 
I mean, do you want me to? I can explain. Essentially, what's yeah, happened, and we were sort of completely unaware of this because everywhere says, if you look anywhere publicly, any of the stats, places, anything, it says Cameron Carter-Vickers' contract is up next uh, summer. So we all rightly assumed, and the word that we got from most people was that he would be having to head out permanently because if you did a loan until next summer, of course, you couldn't then ask for money at the end of it because he would be free. Um, but then I kind of got wind of the Celtic. Celtic move was on and off all day yesterday with Carter Vickers. It, was, it wasn't happening, and it was, and it broke down, and it came back on again. Um, and right at the end, I suddenly got wind of, okay, it looks like it's going back on. I was like, oh, okay, how much? I was kind of trying to figure out how much is it going to cost? And it was like, no, no, it's a loan. And I was like, no, how is it a loan? So there is me. Because the Scottish window is open till midnight, I obviously then had to kind of very late at night try and make lots of calls and work out exactly what was happening. And yes, what has turned out is that every time he's gone on a loan, pretty much, Spurs have ex- agreed with him to extend his contract. Not an option, but an actual an extension of his contract, which they haven't then made public. Um, so what's happened, as well as extending the contract by either a year or two years, he the option the club then have to extend it by a further year at the end of that also knocks on because it wasn't ever triggered. So I'm told that there are actually, potentially, I think he may even have two years when he returns from Celtic on his contract. But I say if he returns because there is an option to buy inserted in this deal. Celtic can buy him. Um, And I must say, I'm going to stick up for Cameron as well because... Got to see a lot of him, and, and when he was in the academy before he started to make his uh, his uh, appearances for Spurs, again, like we said with Serge, he's not a bad player like people make out at all. What I've got to remind Spurs fans is that they get to see him play once in every blue moon. They get to see him play in a, maybe a preseason friendly or thrown into a cup game when he hasn't really played any other matches beforehand. What I'd say is anyone that's got to see Carter Vickers in certainly the last two seasons with regular game time under his belt, he's he's a good defender. I'm not saying he's a top-level Premier League defender. I mean, Poch once said he was going to be, he had the potential to be one of the best defenders in England. I probably wouldn't say he's going to be a top, top, top level Premier League defender, but I do think he could end up playing um, for a club in the Premier League. I do believe that. Um, you know, maybe a, maybe a promoted side, someone like that. I think if Bournemouth had, had come up, I think they maybe would have looked to bring him up with them. Um, fans, uh, everyone at Bournemouth, everyone at uh, Luton, absolutely raved about him his time there. Said he was fantastic. Um, I know Newcastle were interested. They had a real think about bringing him in this window as well because I think it's, it's Graham Jones who was at Newcastle was also at Bournemouth and also he might one have been of at Luton. I- yeah, he's I was going to say manager as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think he's quite right. I think he so said he had him at both clubs, and he was telling Newcastle, "Look, I think he can do a job," but it didn't happen in the end. I think Celtic will get a player who will be very good for them. I do. I had Celtic fans asking me last night, and obviously Spurs fans were invading the replies, going like, "He's rubbish! Get him out! He's so rubbish!" And it's like, man, that's just so unfair. He's only twenty-three again. He's another young defender who defenders probably don't. Well, they reach their prime maybe 28, 29, maybe even older with some of the Italian defenders you look at. Um, so, no, I think people have been a little bit harsh on him. And I th- I hope for him that he has an, a terrific season at Celtic. They buy him and he finds a home because he probably is the most nomadic player at Tottenham Hotspur. I saw some people saying he probably deserves a testimonial soon because he has been there. <laughs> it feels like forever. I think he was 18. Was he 18 when Poch gave him his debut? He was playing in the FA Cup and stuff. Was that the, the Wickham um, game? Uh, it was. He played, I think, one maybe before that. But then the Wickham game, yeah, he had um, Akifenwa, didn't he? It was absolute. Yeah. That was a huge lesson for him. And again, maybe that's what some fans remember, him getting bullied by one of the biggest strikers to have ever played football. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not having the Cameron... Um, Get you know, it's like, oh my god, why is he still at my club? Just get rid. I saw people saying, just just chuck him out the door like Aurier and all that. But what people also forget, and this is something that Chelsea do very well, 
is that if you're going to look at it just from a business point of view, players like Cameron Carter-Vickers make money for their football club. Chelsea did this with loads of their loan players. Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, it costs nothing other than the education that you'd have had in the academy and, and, and the, the minor costs relatively of that. But most of his loans, Spurs will have got a loan fee. They won't have paid his wages for much of the time he's been at the club. And at the end of it, they will get a transfer fee for him. So that, from a purely business point of view, is a player who, just because the Tottenham fans aren't seeing him and he's not wearing the club shirt very much at all, doesn't mean he's not actually helping. Any little bit of money that comes into the club helps you in other areas. Yeah, I think for Cameron and for Tottenham, I think both just need to go their separate ways at, at some point because he can't be good for him yeah. to come back every every uh, summer and it's like, where am I going this season? And, you know, you see it at the likes of Chelsea as well, like players like Lewis Baker who just seem to have been at Chelsea forever and they just can't seem to get a permanent move away. And like you said, 23, 23-year-old now when you've not broken into the first team at your club, I don't think you're ever gone to do it. It's very rare to see players coming through the academy, you know, make a club at that age. You know, Jesse Lingard is probably one of them who did it at Manchester United, uh, develops rather late, but that was probably because of his size and his stature. But very rare to see players of 23 come in and uh, become regulars. So we'll move on from yesterday. We'll have a look at the transfer window as a whole now. I must say, I think some people will probably disagree with me. I think Spurs fans should be fairly happy with the transfer window. I know there's always the feeling they're probably wanting more. And I think some fans would probably deem a successful transfer window if you're the club who spends the most amount of money or brings the most amount of signings in. But it doesn't work like that. It has been a tough uh Summer for Fabio Paratiki, a lot of changes have needed to take uh, place. We've seen experienced players going out the door, such as Toby Alderweireld, Eric Lamella, Moussa Soko, Serge Aurier. You can add Joe Hart, one Fife to the list as well. That's a dramatically... Yeah, it's a big list. Uh, that's dramatically reduced the average squad age. I think Sonny was even saying in an interview with Spurs TV after the Watford game, like it's sad now because he's like the second oldest at the club and he's 29. So uh, I think he's third. I think he said he was third. Is he second think, outfield player? I think. Yeah, I think it's. I think Doherty, Doherty beats him by a couple of months or something. Yeah, I think they're all roughly yeah. 29, though, aren't they? And Lucas as well. Yeah. So that shows you how much the squad age has reduced dramatically. I think parity. Paratici as uh, oh, strengthened. Yeah. It, it was, it was, got, it was gonna happen. I think he's strengthened for the future. I think Galini can become potentially Larissa's long term replacement. He signed the Serie A Defender of the Year in Christian Romero, a player who helped Argentina win the Copper America and looks like he's gonna really kick on and become a household name in the Premier League. He signed probably one of the most Attacking players in Spain, the most highly rated attacking player in Brian Hill, one of the younger lads. Yeah. Pape Sar for the future. Uh, Emerson could make the right back spot his own. Harry Kane stayed. That I mean, that could have been an absolute disastrous window for Tottenham if Kane went because yeah. it'd be so, so hard to replace the goals, the assists and everything Kelsey brings to the club. Uh, Tangi on Dembele stayed, Son Heung Min signed a new contract. So I think all in all, you've got to be fairly happy with it. I know some people and a lot of people will point out Spurs' failure to bring in another out-and-out striker. But I do agree the fact that why spend money for the sake of it if it's not the person you want? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, I'm almost with you. I'm almost with you. I think... Um, I think everything you said is true. I think everything, all the strengths of the window are definitely there. You know, we can't keep going on about a painful rebuild for all of these years and then not look at the fact that Spurs have cleared out a lot of the players that have been at the club for a long time. And uh, this is very much a refresh. It's a very different squad that he's going to have. I am probably going to slightly put myself in the greedy I want more category. Um, I think 
like you say, I think Kane was huge staying. I don't think we quite... I think because people maybe were still slightly annoyed with him and what he did, or not what he did, but the way everything happened, um, I think people maybe are underestimating how huge that is, this window, and how that is probably could even be the signing of the window for any club in the Premier League because you are signing... say signing up again, but you are keeping one of the well, arguably the top or second top natural number nine. I know he plays number 10 of Spurs, but you know what I mean? Striker in the world. Um, and he will guarantee, yes, you know, injuries aside, if he does again what he did last season, then that's just, that's an incredible side. How do you replace Harry Kane? You just don't. You don't, you know, we'd have been, it might have been exciting for the Spurs fans because you might have seen two or three kind of risk kind of players coming in from abroad who have great names, are terrific on FIFA football manager, have been brilliant in their countries, but may not have done the same thing in England. Um, but you know with Harry Kane, you have that guarantee that how just incredible he is. Um, and if he says he will be fully focused on this season, Ed, he will be. And I keep hearing that his, his, his talks with Paratici and Nuno have been really, really positive, really good. They feel that he's very much, you know, Back, like not to say he wasn't in the first place, but very much is fully focused on the Nuno idea and what's going to happen. Yes, of course, people will say he just didn't get his move, of course. But I think the measure of a person is how you react to setbacks. And I think I, I've always got the impression of Harry Kane that he won't sulk. He's not that kind of person at all. He will crack on. Um, and, you know, we saw the quotes from him yesterday on England duty. His dream has always been to win trophies with Tottenham, and he says that hasn't changed. We go again this season, and that's what he wants to happen. But yes, I am going to be still a bit greedy because for all of those terrific transfers, and I'd say every single transfer that's come in, I think is a, is a plus. Every single one, I think, maybe go as far to say it improves on their person that they're replacing. And I'd even put Oliver Skip in there as well, because let's not forget Oliver Skip. People hate this when you say, it's like a new signing. I'm not going to say that, but him coming in, <laughs> I am going to say it, he is kind of like a new signing because he's returned as a different player. He's not the player that left Tottenham. He's a much more mature, developed, ready for the Premier League player. And I would say, this is my opinion purely, I think he's an upgrade on Moussa Sissoko. I do. I think even if you maybe disagree for the now or maybe what's how Sissoko was in his prime year, the Champions League final year, I do think Oliver Skip can be a better player. That's my own personal view. Others may disagree. They might, some people, some people always kind of go a bit down on the homegrown players and kind of quickly toss them aside. But I, I think Skippy can do big things. But yeah, sorry, back to my original point, greed. I would have liked, well, you know I was never on the Adama Traore wagon. I never felt really they needed another winger. I felt that's one area they do have a good stack of wingers. But I do feel that Spurs have still never truly replaced Christian Eriksen, and that's bugged me a little bit. Um, I would say that their logic for not going for a playmaker in the final weeks of the window was that in their mind, they probably weren't going to sell Tongi on Dembele, which is what happened in the end, never went. Um, and they felt with Tongi... Lacelso and Deli Ali. You had three players all capable of playing there. And not only that, but Brian Hill and Lucas can also play as a number 10 as well. I would argue I don't think any of those players are a direct Ericsson replacement. However, and we've said this numerous times, I do believe that Tongi, who we're going to talk about in a bit, he gets his head down, gets in that position in front of Skip and Hoybier, I think he can play a version of the Ericsson role. I think he can play balls through. I think he probably is, obviously, his dribbling skills are something that Ericsson didn't even have. So he can be maybe this hybrid of a Dembele-Ericsson type. Uh, and Lacelso, I still feel we haven't seen the best of Lacelso. I do think he's got the ability to play those kind of passes. So I can kind of understand it. But myself, I would have liked to still seen them brought in an Ericsson type. Um, and the striker situation will continue to annoy me for a long time. Um, again, I want to explain the logic from Tottenham's side, which is that Nuno, unlike Jose Mourinho, believes that Son is a striker. 
he feels that a little bit like, and I'm not comparing them, but in the essence of the change of position, he feels that like Ronaldo started off as a winger and eventually became a more central striker, that Son can do a similar kind of switch. And I think we've seen it with Son. You know, I think we've seen in a front three, he's fine at it. You know, he's never going to be a target man. He's not going to win headers. We know that. But in terms of playing in a front three, I think Spurs didn't suffer hugely from the loss of Harry Kane in those opening games. And some people will say in previous seasons without Kane, Son has made up the kind of, uh, not the deficit, but, you know, has, has made his absence not as hard felt, you know? Um, so in their logic, you've got Son and Kane. They're your two main strikers. So that's the same as having the two strikers of last season in their head. Personally, I still feel that you lose Kane or Son to an injury or both or something, then in, suddenly you're thinking, whoa, who plays up front? It's a big ask to, for Dane Scarlett at 17 to be thrown into a Premier League team. Lucas has never really impressed me as a striker. I don't think that's ever really suited him. Um, but then they're thinking, again, I've always got to back this up because I don't want to just be on this rant and not say what the actual reasoning is from Spurs' side. But the reason from Spurs' side was, was their only interest was trying to sign a striker who could essentially play up front with Kane and allow Son to then be a left winger if that was what they wanted. So they only they looked at Vlajevic and they looked at Martinez. They were big, huge players for the now and also for the post-Kane era if there is one. Um, and as soon as those two players, the deals for differing reasons couldn't be done, they looked at it and said, well, we don't want a backup striker. We don't want to try and do the difficult thing of bringing in another Carlos Vinicius and a Lorente. And, you know, we've said this billions of times. Fans get very annoyed that, oh, but why didn't you sign Danny Ings? Or why didn't you sign this player or that player? Because a lot of those players would be playing second fiddle to Harry Kane and they don't want to do it. It's all very well saying we want that player, but getting that player to then come and play maybe half the games um, you know, because if you do say, I think the point with Vlajevic and Martinez was, as I said about Son, was probably you go with them over Son and you allow Son to then stay on the left. But I personally don't think you play Danny Ings over Son. That's just my opinion. I think Son still as a partnership with Kane is better. Um, and yeah, so that's their reasoning. I, I think everything else done in the window, I think the clear out of the players was fantastic. I think they did a lot of the work that has needed to be done in previous windows. We could argue about how much money they got back. But, you know, a lot of fans are always saying, doesn't care about the money, get them out the door. Um, and that's what's happened. And I think foundation-wise to go forward, Spurs are in a better place than they were last season. But as I think I said to you yesterday in the video, I'd say I was slightly more excited at the end of last summer's transfer window about the business done than I was in this one, even though I can see the pluses. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that in terms of last summer compared to this summer. But just because last season people probably saw it as a successful summer, it doesn't mean it's going to be a successful season in the no. league. So Hindsight showed that, hasn't it? Exactly. So, you know, it could be a successful season for Spurs in the league this year, even though some might not see it as a successful transfer window. I must add quick to my... for you. I was just going to say very quickly, who replaces Bale's goals? Bergwijn, hopefully. I think once oh, he gets a goal. It. I love it. Once a lot of people will be saying, be what? <laughs> right now when you said that. Could be Lucas. Yeah. Well, there's two great options uh, to play on uh, one side, isn't there? Either on the left or on the right. So, no, I think there's plenty of goals in Tottenham's attack to come. What I was trying to say in regards to my earlier point is, you know, Maurizio Pochettino alluded to a, a painful rebuild at Tottenham two years ago. Now, this rebuild wasn't going to happen in one window. Fabio Paratici was never going to solve everything in one transfer window. I mean, that would be incredible if he could do that. He's done such good work so far this summer, getting rid of a lot of the experienced players who were on the fringes of the team, bringing in players for the future, convincing Kane to stay, reducing the squad size, uh, sorry, the squad age dramatically. Uh it's, uh, it's It was always going to be a work in progress, and I think now he knows what he'll need to do in the coming transfer windows. And I think what the next few months will highlight is whether 
Spurs will need to move for another striker in January. Because, you know, if, like you said, if Kane's out and Son's out at the same time, that's going to be problematic. And then there was always talk of signing a leader at the back. Yep. Spurs have brought Christian Romero in. Sanchez and Dyer have started well. Joe, Joe Roden had an excellent Euros and will be looking to, you know, become a fixture in that first team. I think there's some good good players at the back, free clean sheets. You can't complain about that at the moment. So it'll be one of these. It'll be looking to see what happens over the next months and then, you know, just go from there. But as I said, I think you've got to be fairly happy with it, to be honest. I think so. I think so. One one person I just want to chuck in there only because we don't want to... Our intention in these podcasts is always going to be to talk about all areas of the club if we can from top to bottom. And one other player that did go out on deadline day was Janiel Bennett. Yeah. Um, Spurs weren't really towards the end too keen to let... They had a lot of interest in a lot of their young academy players to go out on loan. Um, I know, I think, Dylan Markenday, who's been absolutely tearing it up for the academy, had, there was some interest in him as well. But Spurs decided that they've got the... Uh, brilliantly named Papa John's Trophy, which is the EFL trophy in old money for, for other older fans. Um, and obviously Premier League Two and needing squad numbers for the Europa Conference League to take over there, as we've seen thus far. They made the decision to for some of these younger players to stick around, at least until January. Uh, so obviously Jack Clark's... Jack Clark, to be fair to him, they had interest, but he didn't want to go. He did actually... That was very much his decision to stay and fight, which... It's an interesting one, maybe one for another podcast to talk about, but uh, I think that's an interesting decision on his part. Um, but obviously Harvey White, you know, some of these players that had loans last season are still there. But Janil Bennett has gone to crew, and I think he's a terrific talent. I really like Janil. I think he's been very unfortunate with injuries. Otherwise, I think he would have come through a bit earlier. He got his debut against Pesos in the away game, so that was massive for him. And... Only 19 years old. I'd honestly, anyone that maybe hasn't seen Janil play, keep an eye on him at crew. I think he could be one that we suddenly, or Spurs fans might be like, wow, who's that Spurs kid in League? Is it League One, isn't it, crew? Who's, yeah, um, the you know, one. yeah who's, who's tearing it up in League One? I think Janil could be that man. I really do. Um, but yeah, just to show that it's not just all about the Sergio Ries of this world and Emerson Royals on deadline day. Yeah, we'll move on to. Uh... Tangi on Bembele now, who is a Tottenham player still. Obviously, I, I didn't have to throw it. away the cards. I didn't have to throw no, away the membership cards. They're still there. You know, you might have quite a few signing up for membership if he uh, kicks on now over the next few months. So we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, Tangi, I think, did make it clear to Spurs in the summer that he did want to uh, move on, but that's not come to fruition. So. I think the plan is now to integrate Tangi back into the match day squad. I think it's he's definitely going to have to uh, take time because he, he will not be match fit at all. Obviously, there's a difference between fit and then match fitness. I think there's a big difference. He's he's trained with Spurs since the first day back at preseason at the start of July, but he's not been included in any match day squad. So I think it's one of these where. He's going to take a bit of time to see him, you know, first of all, get into the squad and then hopefully become a regular in the team again. I'm sure he will be quite upset this morning, though, with uh, Serge departing, but I think now it is. It's time for him to really kick on now. No excuses now. You have got to kick on because if you do want to move to Real Madrid or Barcelona or Bayern Munich, somewhere like that in the future, they're not going to buy anyone just based on the fact that you know, talent alone, you've got to be doing it on the pitch. And now it's down to Tangi to do exactly that. So, I mean, what next for Tangi then, Ali? You expecting him to take on that midfield role in the three? It's down to Tangi, isn't it? It really is all down to him. Someone asked, we did the Q&A yesterday on the website, and someone asked me, who is the player that I thought would surprise everyone and be really impressive this season? And who is the player that would be um, frustrating this season and I said I initially said Brian Hill could be the one that surprises people if uh, people outside the club who aren't aware of how good he could be but then I also kind of made the point that Tongi could sit in either category because it's up to him he could be the one that absolutely has all of the match a day pundits every week talking about how incredible Tongi and Nimele is or he could have everyone saying oh it's another season where Tongi's wasted his talent um, and it is so much down to him. He uh, he wanted to leave again. 
I'm told that there was approaches made by two La Liga clubs and, and bigger La Liga clubs as well, but neither deal either suited both the club and the player. Um, so it didn't happen. And it's all on Tongi. Tongi can be whatever player he wants to be. I've said it so many times. I, you know, we could join the narrative that losing Ore and Sissoko, who is incredibly close to, could push him in a different direction. It's not to say, before anyone leaps on this bandwagon, I'm not saying they're a bad influence. I'm not saying anything like that. All I'm saying is that sometimes having different people around you and a kind of different, a fresh, I suppose just a, a fresh outtake on how you're you're living your life, I guess, is, is what it is. It's, you know, it's different conversations, it's different routines, it's just different things. And, you know, we know he's very close to Sonny. They've got a great relationship. He's, I think he's quite good friends with Harry Kane as well. I think there's a few in there that he's, you know, we're not saying that he was, they were literally holding his hands like a child, guiding him around the Hotspur Way training complex every day. Um, but just sometimes maybe almost having, um, yeah, yeah, a different view on things. Um, I think it could be beneficial. It might not. Ultimately, it's about Tongi. And that's what Sofra say. You just want to grab him and you just want to say, you're so good. You're so good. But that's still not enough. You know, whatever you think about the qualities you have, whatever you think about the level you should be playing at right now, you don't get there just by being talented. It's just, honestly, I feel like we're going to get another Rob Guest motto or slogan for the wall to come out, which <laughs> everyone loved last week. But really, it's just, it shouldn't be rocket science. It shouldn't. It's, uh, like I say, he could be that playmaker that everyone's been calling for. And if he is, everyone suddenly forgets that. Um, but it's all on Tongi. It is. It's definitely on Tongi now. Uh didn't as well. I know you were saying like he's mates with Son and Kane. I think Sessignon as well. I think you've said that yes. before, haven't you? Because Sessignon yes. can speak French. Yes, so, French, I think it's his family. It's one of his parents, I think, maybe, is, yeah. is, 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 is French origins or something. Yes, you're quite right. I think they drive in together sometimes. Yeah, so he's, uh, he's got him back at the club, obviously, because uh, Ryan's returned from his loan Great spell at points. Hoffenheim this season. So, yeah, so he's got plenty of uh, mates at the club. Obviously, it will be a I miss. love the fact that we're worried about Tongi's friendship. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think we'd be having a podcast little segment where we're talking about Tongi's mates. Yeah, but I mean, it's the case of if he was to move on to Real Madrid, to Barcelona or somewhere like that, He's going to make have to make new friends there if he doesn't know anyone anyway. <laughs> we're so really going deep now. We're yeah. going deep now. I'm sure. I must stress, you know, we're not naive people out there. We do accept <laughs> that people's friends come with them. So he will have his friends around him from France. He'll always have. He is not entirely dependent on uh, his Tottenham friends. You know, so like in between is, isn't it? Oh, Tottenham friends. But yeah, yeah. Essentially, it doesn't matter who's around him. There's only one man that can do it all. Yeah, I must say as well, I think if it weren't for Serge and Moussa, he probably would have gone a lot earlier. Yeah, 100%. To go a lot earlier. So I think you've got to give them, those two credit for helping him settle in because, what was he, 22 when he moved to the club? Coming yeah. to a, a brand new country at such a young age, then the pandemic yeah. hit. Spoke I think very little English. Yeah, I mean, I think I'd have struggled moving to a foreign country at that age, not knowing anyone at all. And I think a lot of well, people would. pronounce so. people's surnames, I know. Yeah, <laughs> we'd have had a we'd have had a mayor, wouldn't we? <laughs> right, we'll move on from uh, Tangi now. In terms of then squad positions, are you happy with strength and depth? Other than the striker, that Spurs are quite clearly lacking another out and out striker to cover for Kane. Uh, I think you'd have to look at the squad and say. Probably there's just about enough. There's a lot of matches to be played this season, a lot. Um, and of course, the injuries will come, um, and, and isolations, I'm sure, as well, will, will come as well. Um, as long as that goes on, I think goalkeeper is well stocked. It'd be interesting to see whether Brandon Austin gets any game time or not as the third goalkeeper. It's a big kind of thing for him now after that loan in the MLS. Um, I think no doubt both fullback slots are very well served right now. I don't think anyone has to worry about that. I'd say centre back, 
Yeah, personally, I maybe would have liked another natural centre back to come in, especially as we, you know, we're going to speak about Sanchez and Romero potentially missing matches uh, with international commitments and what comes afterwards. But I think you do then have Jaffet Tanganga, I think, who I will always maintain still is a very good centre back. Um, so personally, I don't think it's probably as much of an issue as, you know, the club were looking for another centre-back. They just didn't pull the trigger in the end. Um, central midfield, I think Hoybier, Skip and Winks all provide that kind of defensive area. Um, Skip and Hoybier can essentially cover each other if you want to play just the one holding player there. Uh, on the melee, Lo Celso clearly will be maybe interchangeable. Maybe those two will be an either-or rather than a playing together. Uh, but the, I suppose the good thing, especially for Lo Celso, is that he could play either on the left of a midfield three or right of a midfield three, or he could actually play left or right of a front three. He's very, he's very adaptable. I think you've got tons of wingers, which is why I never thought the Triore, although, yes, I get he's very fast, he's very strong, and he causes chaos. I get all of that. Um, I still will maintain the end product is practically zero. Um, although people have rightly said some at Spurs are exactly the same at the moment. And if they can improve, so can he. Yes, yes, I take that all on board. However, I still think when you've got a stacked position, that's a stacked position. You don't really need to prioritise that with another signing. Um, although Nuno wanted him, and I appreciate that that's always so key to get your manager what he wants. I still feel, yes, the playmaker role, if Ondembele and Lacelsa don't step up this season, that will be glaring. If they do, we'll forget about it. And then the striker one, you know, we're speaking about January and maybe needing a signing, but if Dane Scarlett gets minutes here and there in the cup games and he gets, he improves, he develops, you know, he's going to be working alongside Kane again this season full-time, which is massive for his development. If he does continue to physically build up as well, who knows? By January, you know, I'm trying to think, would he be? No, he won't be 18 by January because he's only turned 17 not too long ago. But he could be in a position like a Michael Rashford, a Marcus Rashford type, where you think, or a Mason Greenwood, where you think, well, maybe he's come on along now so much, we don't want to block his path with another striker. And that may have been some of the thinking, I don't know. Um, but then you could say they were trying to sign those other players for big money anyway, who would have blocked his path. Uh, I'd say squad-wise, yeah, it's so tough. I'm trying to think whether it's stronger than last season's squad or not in terms of depth. I think it probably is. I think you've probably got more options. In Let's be honest, everyone's problem last year was the defence. Spurs have gone out and fixed a lot of that problem. You know, you've got, uh, with no disrespect to Joe Hart, I think you've got a better backup goalkeeper. I think you've got a game-changing central defender now and nicely coinciding with Sanchez and Dyer, probably playing some of the best football of their careers at Tottenham at the moment. Maybe unfair on Dyer. You know, he's had some good first first couple of years. He was very, very good. Um, right back now, you've got so many options. Left back, you've got so many options. I think Spurs have fixed probably the problem area of last year's squad. So I'd say maybe, maybe a touch better overall squad Although some might argue attacking wise, maybe not. Yeah, I think I agree with you on that. I'd say probably in an ideal world, you would want another central uh, attacking midfielder coming in and another out and out striker, but I think you can get away with it. And I know what you were saying about Romero being a bit of a game changer. <laughs> it could probably be a bit of a game changer in the final third as well for Tottenham <laughs> at the moment, going on some of the runs. He was on there the other night in the. Uh, Europa Conference League. So I think all in all, it's, yeah, the squad's there or thereabouts. I think probably Padratici is going to have to make a couple of, you know, changes to it at some point down the line, but you'll see what happens over the coming months. And, you know, Premier League table's looking very good for Tottenham right now. Top, top of the league, three wins from three, not even conceded yet. And then uh, Arsenal bottom as well with uh, three, three successive defeats. So, yeah, I think all in all, it's good. I think it's just going to be interesting now to see what uh, the defence lines up like against uh, Crystal Palace after the international breaks. Obviously, you've got Emerson Royale coming in from uh, Barcelona, who is going to be at Hotspur Way later this week, as I said earlier. 
can get down uh, to work with Nuno and uh, the players who aren't on international duty. And then, obviously, there's uh, Christian Romero, Vincent Sanchez, Giovanni Lo Celso. These are the players who are heading off to South America for international duty. And there will be a period of quarantine for them, 10 days. So it looks like they will not be featuring against Palace. So who starts for you in defence then against Palace? Joe Roden come in? The, the thinking with Joe Roden was that there was a potential at one point where maybe Spurs were going to let him go, but with the proviso that he only played in the final game for Wales, um, which indicates he would have been fit for that, which would have been, I think, a week before Palace. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, probably a couple of days maybe before, yeah. yeah something is that, like is that, that what it is, just a couple of days? So by logic, he could be fit enough to play against Palace. Um yeah, I mean, you'd think Roden and Dyer. Tanganga may have a shout. They may decide to go with Emerson at right back and then have Tanganga on the right of the defence. Um, it's, it's, it's a complete and utter farce, quite frankly, between FIFA, the government, everything, and the way it's been done. Um, I, you know... I can't understand why we're having international matches um, like this if there's issues with the players coming back to their countries again. I, I, I just don't get it. I think, look, I know I know that some of the players called up did not want to go, but there's huge pressure from the national football associations that they'll play for, that, you know, you have to play for your country. Some of them, of, of course, will have wanted to play, um, but then, you know, the flip side is some of them will have families who will now be away from their families for oh, what would it be, three, three and a half weeks away, yeah. won't they, in total. Um, there's some talk in the Argentina. I, I, I am told that Spurs have done a deal with uh, the players that they won't play, reverse of what Rodens would have been, that they won't play in the third game, which means that they can start their isolation quicker. Reports in Argentina suggest that Lo Celso and Romero will go with other Argentinian players in the Premier League to do like a training camp in one of the Croatian islands, which means that they don't then have to come back to the UK and go into a government-registered hotel, which will have pretty much little to no fitness opportunities whatsoever, um, which I understand that. And, you know, we, Nuno told us, didn't he, that he's, this club were looking at a plan of action and it sounds like perhaps that's the one. It's not ideal. I still don't think they'll be in top, top physical shape when they come back. But you'd hope, having just played matches 10, 10 days later returning, they're not going to be these big, fat slobs coming back from a, you know, <laughs> summer holidays, living it up and eating all the buffets and all that. Um, and that's not me describing my holidays, by the way. Um, it's, just, it's just such a mess. It is such a mess. And it's, I hope it doesn't derail what has been a terrific start by Tottenham by suddenly changing up the defence. You know, Sanchez has been excellent. Romero, like we say, is going to be such a big, big player for Tottenham this season. And to have, at this moment, is it three international breaks coming up this year? I think, is it, is it is this month, October and November? Yeah, that's Tottenham. usually the case, yeah. Yeah, it's either two or three. And, and either way, if they don't get it fixed, it's just going to be a shambles each time. And for all the Premier League clubs involved as well. Yeah, I think the worry is, especially with the South American players, I was listening to Five Live in the car the other day and they were saying that in South America, they have so many uh, World Cup qualifiers still to fit in because there's so many yeah. teams in their group and they've limited time to do it because for whatever reason, they, they uh, decided to put a Copper America over the summer for whatever reason when they could have just fit another, you know, three international games in. So I yeah. don't think we've heard the last of this uh, in terms of Tottenham South American players, you know, having to head off back to the home countries to play games. It sounds like they've put another batch of fixtures in in the end of January. I don't know how right that is. I've not checked up on that. But yeah, yeah it's just going to be absolute carnage <laughs> this season. Also, in terms and of just to throw fixtures. in as well, just to throw in as well very quickly, Romero's obviously still struggling a little bit with his knee. Yeah. The Celso has had his injury problems over the years. 
overloading those kind of players with games right now. And the travel, you know, people maybe don't think about it, but the constant traveling to and from and all this sort of stuff as well, it, it's, it's not great for them either. Um, it's, oh, it's just farcical. It really is. And unfortunately, it seems to be the way with football at the moment, isn't it? They're just struggling to adjust with what else is happening in the world. Yeah, I'd say as well, I think it's probably the last thing Giovanni Lacelso needs this season. I think it's such an important season yeah. for him at the club. It's his third season. We've not seen the best of him yet. Injuries have hampered him over the past few years. And you think he's got to be, really, it's got to be now or never because you don't want to be going into a fourth season that the club's still thinking, oh, can we eventually see the best of him? So, yeah, it, unfortunately, it is what it is at the moment. But hopefully everything will come good there for Tottenham. So uh, yeah. I, I think what I think we're pretty much there for today's uh, podcast <laughs> in terms of transfer everything. stuff. We have covered an awful lot. We've covered deadline day, what happened next. We've looked back at the window as a whole. Uh, I must say Europe Conference League group stage squad deadline is tomorrow at 11pm. So Nuno has to name his squad, but in terms of the non-homegrown player issues with uh, Serge going out the door, I think Tottenham are bang on the limit of 17, so it doesn't Hooray! look like they're going to have to leave anyone out. We don't so... have to write about foreign player <laughs> issues or anything. They actually no. fit in perfectly. And that's very much the case as well for the Premier League, as uh, Brian yeah. Hill is young enough to be on the uh, under-21 list. And uh, Matt Doherty, Joe Roden, Ben Davis are classed as homegrown players in the Premier League. So yep. what we thought was going to be a major issue for Tottenham this summer with all the foreign players coming in, it isn't. They've done brilliantly in regard to oh, this. Wow. So We've had a massive might... talking point taken away from us for the rest yeah. of the season. So, yeah, it could be January by the next time you find the, that article on our website again. But I'm sure <laughs> yeah, it will crop up again at some point, definitely. So... Uh, I think, yeah, for today, we'll leave it here for today's uh, episode five of Golden Guest Top Tottenham. I think we'll be back next week. We'll be probably having a look back at the international fixtures, how uh, the players have done. Then we'll also be looking ahead to the game away at Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. So, please always... do send in your movie suggestions for Rob Guest <laughs> to watch in the coming weeks as well, so we can actually educate him on on movies in Hollywood and beyond. Right. Okay, then I'll look forward to that, <laughs> that uh, long right? list of movies coming in. Yeah, so as always, thank you for joining us on Golden Guest Top Tottenham and we'll speak to you next time. <laughs>